You are listening to Sermon Snippets with Max Taylor, where we exposit God's Word and apply its instruction to our everyday lives. As we study God's Word, we are learning truth that corrects our thinking, meets our needs, and teaches us more about Christ. Here's your host, Max Taylor. We're going to be starting today in Daniel chapter 1, verse 16, which is where we ended last week. So I'll go ahead and read that if you have your place there in your Bible or on your phone, or you can just simply listen along. And the Bible says, Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. So here at this point in the account, Daniel and his friends have settled down for three years for their training in Babylon, which really brings up a valuable lesson that I wanted to take some time and just mention here as we pass through these verses, because sometimes we just read right from that account into the next verse, and it talks about them standing before King Nebuchadnezzar and God blessing them for that stand that they took. But we sometimes forget what we read back in verse 5 that says that the plan was for them to be nourished for three years. So if you read those two together, verse 16, and then you just kind of tack on verse 5 at the very end, it says, Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse, so nourishing them three years. Think about that time span there. And that brings up the valuable lesson for us of how to respond to restrictions. You know, there's plenty of accounts all throughout the Bible of people who couldn't do what they wanted to do or even what they knew was right to do at a certain point in time because they had some kind of restriction. Think about Abraham, who sojourned and wondered about until God eventually gave him the son that he promised and God led him to that that land that he was told about. But still, he, he sojourned until the very end of his life. Or think about David's desire to build the temple for God. But he was divinely prohibited from doing so. In 1 Chronicles chapter 28, he wanted to build a house for God that seemed like a noble desire. It seemed like a godly thing. But God told him no. He was faced with some opposition there. He he was restrained by God's divine intervention. Or Ezra. Ezra actually lived about this time here of Daniel right here where we're reading. And Ezra basically passed his days studying God's word until eventually he returned to Israel after the 70-year captivity. And he finally was able to put all that preparation to good use in teaching Israel back in the land, the word of God. And so all these examples experienced some kind of restriction on how they were able to serve God for a time. So how should we respond to restrictions that are placed upon us? We're not always able to do what we think is right or what we feel called to or what we want to do to serve God. So what should we do in those situations? Well, the lesson here is that we should use that time to do what God has called us to do, to simply do what we can for God. Abraham stayed busy during that time by rising up early, the Bible says. It it amazes me that as this man is sojourning, he's waiting to have a child. He still, all throughout the book of Genesis, it says that he rose up early. He rose up early. And so he's busy doing what he can for God. It might not be what he wants to do, what God promises him that is eventually going to happen, 
but he doesn't waste any time. He simply gets busy doing what he can for God. Or with the example of David, he might not could have built the temple, but he prepared the materials to build the temple. He dedicated basically the rest of his life to setting those supplies aside so that his son Solomon could build the temple. Ezra, as we already mentioned, he diligently studied the scripture. And Daniel here in our text, as a captive in Babylon, he just continued serving God and doing what was right, right where he was. And that's an important lesson for us. So even though this was a time of God's judgment on his people, even though they were in captivity, Daniel chose to not waste any time complaining or conforming to the culture, but instead he just accepted his position and he did what he could for God right exactly where he was. So in times of limitation, stay faithful and keep doing what you can for the Lord where you are. As Ironside puts it, he says, Mark you, the only way to go on with God is by being faithful in little things. He who honors the Lord by conscious adherence to his word in what some would call minor details is likely to be exercised about greater things. Also listen to this quotation from John Phillips. He says, And where was Daniel during all these events? So he's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, which happens about 20 years after uh, Daniel's deportation, and all the events going on in Israel, all the destruction. Where was Daniel during all that? And he says he was obeying the instructions of Jeremiah the prophet, settling down in Babylon for at least the next 70 years. He was settling down and getting on, availing himself of a first-class education, and moving up the ladder of success under the watchful and benevolent eye of the king. Now, that's a good lesson, although he, it seems that Daniel doesn't fully understand the 70-year time frame clearly until later on. And really, the more benevolent king is God. It's not Nebuchadnezzar. So God, who is really on the throne the whole time, is the one who is blessing Daniel for this stand. But don't forget that Daniel's promotion that we're about to read about, it comes three years after him making this stand to not eat the meat and the and drink the wine that was offered to him by Nebuchadnezzar. And he, he got rewarded for doing what was right even though it might seem like a sacrifice to go for three years on this measly diet and to give up, you know, a five-star meal every time you sit down at the table, really what's important is not the kind of food that you eat or the kind of life that you live here on this earth. What's far more important than that is having a clean conscience and being blessed by God at the end of this three-year trial that he and his friends went through. And God did bless them. God gave them extremely um, high rewards for what they did, for their stand that they took. So let's read about that. In verse 17, it says, As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. See, this is a result of the decision that they made to stand for what's right, to not defile themselves. And we see immediately after those three years, God is already blessing them for the stand that they took. These two things are linked together. They did what's right, and so God gives them wisdom. And as we go throughout the rest of the book of Daniel, from chapter 2 all the way to chapter 12, all the visions that Daniel has, the dreams that he's able to interpret, the prophecies that he understands and that he gives himself, the scripture that he writes, all of that 
comes after chapter one because he chose to stand for what was right. God gave him that learning and understanding because of his decision to honor God. And really, a good example of this is seen in the New Testament in 2 Peter chapter 1. In that chapter, we're, we're given a list of marks of maturity for a believer. And in that list, it says, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and temper- to temperance patience, and it goes on. But at the beginning of that list, it says, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Now, the order is important there because it says to faith virtue and then to virtue knowledge. So it, t- it tells you the knowledge comes after the virtue and the virtue comes after faith. So for the Christian, if you've placed your faith in Christ, then this is the order of Christian maturity. As you grow and as you become closer to the Lord, virtue has to come before knowledge. Now, virtue is a really interesting word. The Greek word is harate, and it only appears five times in the Bible. And it basically means purity of commitment to something or dedication to fulfilling a purpose or the intended uh, service of something. Okay, so basically how committed something is to its task or to its job, being dedicated to the purpose that it's supposed to serve. So for us, in our lives, commitment must come before knowledge and a lot of times in our life, we just want to know what God's will is for us. We want to know the future, or maybe it's tackling a tough Bible doctrine. We want to know what the right thing is. We want to know what the Bible teaches, and we want to have that knowledge of what is true and what should we believe and and what position is right on a certain topic. But this is an important principle that that learning, that knowledge, the wisdom comes after we have to be committed to doing what's right. Isn't that what we see in Daniel's life? They chose to stand for what's right, and then God gave them wisdom as a result. The same is true for us. We're not going to know God's will. We're not going to understand the deep things of God's word unless we first have that harate, unless we first have that virtue, commitment, dedication, to following God. When you commit to following God and you take stands for doing right, God is going to bless you with that exceptional understanding, the wisdom, the discernment as a result of doing what's right. Now these these blessings continue. It says in verse 18, now at the end of these days, the king had said he should bring them in, that the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them. And among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. So no one in this kingdom even compares to the wisdom that Daniel and his three friends are given from the Lord. They're blessed with learning, with a leadership position. It says that they stood before the king. And then they're finally blessed with longevity. In verse 21, we read, And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. Now that's a huge statement there because that tells us Daniel kept his position for longer than any of the other Babylonian officials in the king's court that day or after that. He lasted through the entire Babylonian empire, which 
was a daunting task at that. And he lasted into the Medo-Persian Empire as well, which was the third world power that he held a leadership position in. And remember, in reality, it's God who is on the throne, not Nebuchadnezzar. Whatever leadership, whatever authority is in your life, it may be a parent or a teacher or a supervisor at work or a commander, whoever is in authority over you, remember that it's not really them. It's God who is really ruling and God who's controlling the situation and who is in control of all world events. He's perfectly in control of history and of what's going to happen in the future. God's sovereignty is not the Calvinist version of sovereignty. They say that God decides what happens to each individual person, but that's not actually true. God is so powerful that he uses the individual choices of people to work out his plan. And if you think about it, that's a greater power than the Calvinist concept. Rather than God ordaining the choices of individuals, he allows men and women to make their own choices and he still controls the outcome. No person can thwart God's plan. God's will for an individual might not be accomplished, depending on how that person responds to Christ, but God's will for mankind cannot be countered. So what's more important than him being, you know, a long-lasting government official is eternity. The good news is that elevation and longevity are available to anyone who trusts in Christ. Because we know that First Peter tells us that after we have suffered for a little while the affliction of this life, that God is going to make us perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle us for his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. So remember, our citizenship is not of this earth. Whether we're captives to a foreign power or in the ruling class of the most elite power in the world makes no difference in eternity. What makes what really matters is that we must be right with God and then we must do what is right and trust God with the results. And we'll start chapter two of the book of Daniel next week. Hope to see you then. Thank you for listening to Sermon Snippets. If this Bible study is a help to you, consider downloading the weekly episodes or sharing this podcast with a friend. Until next time, remember that God's Word is perfect, and it's everything you need to live for Him.